joining us on another edition of the pilot network podcast my guest today is a dear friend he wasn't when we first started talking like a month ago but now or a couple months ago i should say but man have things changed tate daria from turban capital he is a dynamo there's no other way to put it a 321 check airman a ceo a real inf- a real estate investment guru just an overall good dude and a guy who's coming to TPNX to share his worldly knowledge about all things, whether it's aviation investment or real estate with you. I hope that you enjoy the podcast. And moreover, I hope that you take advantage of what Tate has to offer and say. The reason I'm saying this is I'm a real estate investor myself, kind of new to the game, only have a couple properties, a small portfolio, but I have flexed a little bit in how I want to allocate that money. Tate has taught me a ton about how to best do that to serve not only the purposes for the everyday aspect of living my life, but also what that can mean for future returns down the road for me and my family. I think he can do a lot for not only you as individuals, but us as a network in general. And when you listen to him talk, you're going to be entertained and blown away by how much he knows I hope you enjoy listening to Tate as much as I had fun chatting with him. I talk a little too much in the in the beginning of this podcast because I'm excited to chat with him, but I think you'll see why. Please enjoy this episode of the Pilot Network podcast with Tate Duria. Hi, Tate. How are you? It's good to uh, be chatting. Doing again. great. Yeah, man. This is good stuff, and and we've so Tate and I have had conversations, many conversations about all sorts of stuff. And at first it started as uh, me reaching out to uh, Tate and Turbine Capital via Instagram and trying to get in touch That's with right. them because a buddy of mine at the gym, a non-pilot, told me about this investment group for real estate stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, cool syndication. I love that idea. And uh, I said, for mm-hmm. pilots, wow, that's really interesting. So I reached out. We, uh, we started chatting um, kind of via email, and then we had a conversation. It was like lightning bolt. It was amazing. And then we mentioned TPNX to Tate, and he's like, dude, I'm in. That sounds so cool. It sounds like a lot of fun. It sounds like I'm going to meet a ton of people, a great networking event. Uh, But before we go down all those different roads, uh, Tate is the CEO, founder, president emeritus, president, runner of all things, uh, Turbine (laughs) Capital. Why don't you tell us about, uh, first of all, your background in aviation, because that you're a pilot, too. And then uh, and I then, am first and foremost, first and foremost. And then we'll jump into the uh, um, turbine capital stuff and, and go how you started this whole crazy road of real estate, which is what I'm a big fan of. And I believe that more people should start getting into, especially aviators, because there's a there's a really bright future for them. Absolutely. To uh, to, to kind of uh, mitigate the future workload that they may have when they're older and they don't want to fly as much as, as they do now. So. Uh, take it away. Tell, tell us your background in aviation, dude. Sounds great. Uh, yeah, super stoked to be here. Uh, I know, I uh, remember that first conversation that we had, we were like, man, we wish we recorded this. This was perfect. But uh, I'm yeah, stoked to be much. back and and uh, having this conversation. Yeah. So first and foremost, might not actually be the best, uh, the, the best word for it now. I feel like flying's kind of become my side hustle. But um, yeah, in terms of my aviation background, so I'm uh, I'm a pilot for Hawaiian. Been in Hawaiian for almost 12 years. Um, two uncles who are who are airline pilots. Uh, my grandfather was actually a pilot here at uh, Hawaiian. Uh, so I grew up around aviation. Uh, was always you know in little airplanes growing up, and kind of had that career path uh, laid out in front of me. And um, had I not gone into aviation at, at a young age, I would have gone into real estate. That was sort of my second passion. But, uh, but the flying bug definitely took hold. I uh, got into uh, in flying when I was in college uh, in, a, in a real way. Um, got my ratings and here I am 12 years later at a major and, and uh, having a blast. So I've flown every tail number uh, here at this airline, flown the, uh, the 7.6, the 3.30, the uh, 7.17, and, the, uh, and now the, um, 
the 321, maybe, maybe the Dreamliner when, uh, when that comes on property next year, but, uh, but we'll see. Yeah, that's, uh, that's quite the laundry list and that's only, and that's 12 years. So you hit your 12 year, uh, pay mark and seniority. And it's like, all right, I ticked all these guys off I, the list. I did. Yeah. I've only flown. That's uh, right. That's two, right. I've only flown two of them at my company. And since they're both Airbus family, <laughs> I don't plan on going back to the Boeing, uh, anytime soon. Or ever, probably yeah, for that matter. Yeah. So, yeah, you're, you, you, the Airbus is gentlemanly. I know, right? It's the way it's supposed to be, and I love the international stuff. I, you know, sidebar here. So many people talk about. Well, recently, the big discussion out there in the industry is uh, the young upgrade. For instance, Delta had an upgrade. Uh, I believe mm-hmm. they were a November hire, and this is what two months ago that they it was got. like on probation, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, they they, they can't technically upgrade they can't go fly as a captain i believe the rule is something like 210 days and they have to have the hours uh they may have the hours you know they might have been a pic at uh skywest or some other airline or whatever but the crazy part is is they can still convert whenever the company converts them uh just like at any company and then they sit and they're making captain's pay sitting in the right seat of whatever good deal um now incredible I think what the big conversation there though is because I'm 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 a I'm a wide body guy and I sit right seat and I'm not I don't want to upgrade and they're you mm-hmm. know, why why don't you want to go be a captain you know more money well the schedule is for a commuter it's rough so I there's no there's yeah. no added benefit here I'm take off one it's it's one takeoff one landing one hotel stay off totally. you go yep and uh, you can pad your income if you work a little bit more but you don't have to work 16 days 18 days a month because you're sitting reserved getting your getting your uh getting your butt kicked by the system wide body fo is the best seat in the house (laughs) i'll say it i mean those those years as a senior uh 330 fo the last couple of years on uh last year or so on the seven six i used to jokingly call uh the airline my trust fund yeah because i just did fun stuff and money would show up every two weeks for no reason yeah. it's true it's i think it's just a matter of it's that you gotta you gotta have the right you gotta have the right mentality and approach to it uh where whereas yeah. it, being for, being a military guy and seeing the way the military is it was upgrade 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 and the old the mm-hmm. old way of doing business was take your first upgrade chance, take your first upgrade chance. That was always, yeah. I, I remember hearing that when I first got into the reserve side of the house and all of the dudes that I flew with would say, take your first upgrade chance. And I understand what they're yep. saying at that time, a lot of furloughing, some guys were double furloughed and to have that pad of being a captain and making captain money and all that stuff. Yep. I get it. Well, and I'm not saying that it's different now, but there was also, it was the right seat of a wide body had its own attractiveness, but then it was a natural progression where you'd leave that and you'd upgrade or whatever. Nowadays, at my airline, uh, the right seat of the, of the wide body stuff, especially the 330 is the, it's the, it's the place to be. It's the most senior seat in yep. the house. And I can hold 80% captain in New York on a, on a seven, on a seven, six, but I can't hold a right seat of the three thirty in Atlanta. And if I can, I'm probably dead last. Right. So right. I, I rarely ever say where right. I work from. If you can't figure it out now, I don't know who you, you really don't know anything about aviation or, or anything about the airlines, but yeah, so, yeah. so I think, I mean, besides that, you know, and, and one of the things that we talked about on our first discussion and this is where we really want to get to because um, this is going to be kind of a shorter version of what we were going to talk about or of all things that we discussed because of where what, Tate's, Tate's coming to TPNX. And he wants, he's got so much cool stuff yeah. to talk about with all you folks out there. He started this little thing called Turbine Capital. It's got a cool logo and a great name. And yeah, yeah. he, Thanks. having a passion for real estate, this is where it took him. How... How does one go from, hey, I'm a pilot, uh, I've got a little bit of passion for real estate, to go and taking the a, a leap, beyond leap, going, I'm going to start a real estate investment group, essentially a, a trust of people, a syndicate of people, to go out there and have them say, hey, believe in me, I'm going to make you money, 
I'm going to take your money and make more yeah. of it for you. Cause that is a huge leap of faith. Yeah. Thanks. Well, so yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. So first off, I think it's a great conversation starter, a perfect segue uh, when we're talking about, you know, first upgrade, right? I think that the conventional wisdom in terms of first upgrade is job security, right? As pilots, we're always concerned about job security. We're always concerned about what happens if there's there's furloughs, what happens if there's mergers, what happens if, if um, you know, there's you know, whatever, right? I mean, it's a, it's a cyclical industry, right? So one of the things that I've always been very, very attuned to is the fact that this job isn't secure. You know, it, it can be gone. Look at the guys at Aloha, um, guys and gals. I mean, they had great careers and the next day it was gone and they were on the street, you know? Um, and we always, you know, we, we, we get comfortable with you know, Delta United American, you know, Hey, are these companies really going to go anywhere? Probably not. Right. But nobody thought Pan Am or TWA were going to go out of business either. True. So I've always been interested in the concept of financial freedom and having a safety net, having other sources of income and just not having to fly. I mean, I love flying. I have no intention of, of uh, stepping away from that. Um, but the day that it's not fun anymore, the day that I don't want to go fly anymore, I don't want to have to go do it. And we make such good income that you can very, very quickly build a lot of passive income in, in real estate. So anyway, segue over to, uh, to how, you know, Turbin uh, ended up coming into existence. So I've been investing in real estate for over a decade, started in my early twenties, buying rental properties and, and sort of dabbled in it for, I mean, you know, always wanted to get into it, but, but didn't get into it in a real meaningful way until eh, five or six years ago. That's when I sort of started making the leap from buying residential, um, single family homes, condos, things like that into multifamily. Um, anything over four units is, is considered commercial real estate, right? So making the leap to commercial real estate, sort of where the, where the big boys play, um, realized that I needed to expand my network more, uh, because real estate investing is a team sport. You can't do it in a bubble. Um, so I started attending these, these conferences, the first one of which was the best ever conference, Joe Fairless's conference in, uh, in Denver. Um, cannot tell you that the connections that I made at, at that, that conference, um, you know, you're talking billions of dollars of net worth under one roof, uh, about, uh, amongst about, I don't know, 500 attendees, people who had, you know, multi-billion dollars worth of, of real estate transactions under their belt. Um, and just. You know, you talk about wanting to be the dumbest person in the room, right? If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Yeah. That was really throwing myself into the weeds and, and realizing um, how far I had to go. Um, I went there with the intention of building out my network so that I could start scaling into larger and larger multifamily deals on my own because I had almost pulled the trigger on a on a lot of deals over the past decade that I wish I had, but didn't feel like I, I quite had the, the foundation under me to, to pull it off. Um, and instead I met all these syndication groups, uh, syndicates, if you're not familiar, uh, is essentially instead of a JV, a joint venture where, where everyone has control, there's the general partners who have control. And then there are the, the investors who are the limited partners who bring the money and the profits are split up usually in favor of the investor um, by some, uh, you know, 70, 30 or something like that. So started meeting all of these super sophisticated, uh, syndication groups in not only multifamily, but self-storage, mobile home parks, senior living, um, retail, industrial. And these groups had such incredible networks, such incredible knowledge. And I started realizing not only, hey, this is an amazing opportunity. I can invest with these groups. And, you know, I already have a great job. Uh, at the time, I was beating my head against the wall, doing a, a burr, a buy, rent, uh, buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat, uh, six time zones away in South Carolina, uh, managing the construction and managing my property manager and trying to get the refinance done and getting all the, the paperwork to the lender and shopping insurance policies. And I'm just like, you know, what am I doing 
all this work for if I can just be a money partner on someone else's deal? And I sort of look at it like, instead of me going out and flying my bonanza on the weekend as a, as a doctor, mm -hmm. right? Um, I can be a passenger on someone else's professionally flown aircraft. Um, so there's less risk, in my opinion, uh, than, than say doing it yourself, even if you are very well equipped, uh, because these, these people do it day in, day out. And I started also realizing that if I was to scale from where I was at that, at that time, uh, doing these small multifamily deals up into the 40, 50, 60, 100 unit apartment complexes like I was, I was planning on doing, I was going to be competing with these syndication groups, which I had no chance of doing. I mean, they, they are ultra well capitalized. They have all the broker relationships, lender relationships. They can get debt at better terms than I can, which means they, they can pay more for a deal and make a better return on it. So a little bit of a, if you can't beat them, join them, right? So started investing passively, uh, realized that that was just a, an amazing world, uh, one that, that I think not enough people know about, and simultaneously came across a number of physician groups who have equity groups uh, where they pool doctor capital and they invest as a group. And they have um, you know, a fund and the people running that fund have the ability to conduct very sophisticated due diligence on, on these deals and they pool money together and they invest as a group. And no one was doing this for the airline pilot crowd, uh, which shocked me. Uh, I, I just couldn't believe that, that someone hadn't pivoted this idea to airline pilots. I mean, there were groups for a number of different groups of doctors, there's uh, groups for attorneys, engineers, no one was doing it for pilots. And so I sat on the idea for about six months. Um, this was, you know, three years ago now, um, finally just said, you know what, this is something I really need to, to bring to this professional demographic because uh, we have a lot of similarities with, with doctors, right? Make great money, you get tons of time off, but you know, not very many of us have the ambition or wherewithal to go and build a real estate empire on our own, right? Yeah. So, if I could bring this this um, you know this this great alternative investment, these these alternative investment opportunities to the airline pilot crowd, what a cool thing to do, right? And we can get into more of sort of how we work and how we create win wins for everybody, but that's sort of the the genesis of it. Well, I think that's a perfect way to go. Is win-win scenario you know that, that being a real estate investor and having friends who've done it seen both doing it yourself a diy method or having a partially passive portfolio like i do or uh folks who want to hey set it and forget it here's my take my money i don't want to think about it again and it's funny because yeah. uh some of the one of uh one of the people that i know um through my property manager is a doctor who is a take my money mm -hmm. come back with uh five deals and i'm just going to pick one and then i don't want to hear about it again like you're going to do all the rest of the work and i'm willing to yep. pay you for it and it would be yeah. nice to have not only and i think there's a place for all of that in your world because like you said there's the doctor who flies the bonanza on the weekend they may love flying the Bonanza on the weekend. Now, do they want to fly the Bonanza right. from New York to Los Angeles? Uh, that right. to me seems like a pain in the ass. So I don't know if I'd want to do that. Right. But yeah. if I'm flying around to go get the you know $500 burger, that's a different story where maybe I've got my little two bedroom or my little duplex or whatever that I want to manage because it's my, it's my fun side thing. But if you want that flight from New York to yep. Los Angeles, why don't you go sit first class? You have the money for it and you want to enjoy a little bit exactly. of what you've earned. I look at what you're doing is more like that. And right. how, let's talk about that. The, 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 and we don't need to get to, into too much frightening detail, right? Because there's stuff that you can start. I remember yeah, you were yeah. telling me, I was like, Whoa, slow down egghead. I was, it was way <laughs> going right over the top. Uh, and, and there's a million different forms out there, right? Especially like I'm a big, bigger pockets believer and, that's a great place for rookies yep. to go start at. Um, but let's give, awesome. let's, awesome. yeah, let's give folks a good idea of how to get the, or, or the basics of how you guys do what you do. 
Yeah. So first off, uh, just to, to quell any, any misconceptions, we're not the ones who are actually finding the deals, acquiring them, operating them. We're simply a money partner. So we are, we're a fund. Uh, what we do is we identify best in class operators here in North America, uh, in really we're focused in the self-storage multifamily and mobile home park asset classes. Uh, and then we essentially inspect their aircraft for worthiness, right? Uh, both their operation. Um, we, uh, I was just in Kansas city a couple of days ago, touring an office visit for a new sponsor that, that we're looking at working with. Uh, and then we absolutely shred the deals apart, um, in terms of, of due diligence. So there's some benefits to, to investing through a fund. And I, I think that this is, this is such a, a prolific new model in the syndication space. And it's, it's taking off like crazy, uh, for some very specific reasons. So, um, and then, so let me kind of explain what, you know, how, how we participate in the space. And then, and then I'll kind of go into detail more on your question in terms of like how we actually operate. So, so instead of Adam, you investing say $50,000 with, with sponsor X and they'd say, okay, cool. The total equity raise on this project say $30 million. Thank you, sir. We appreciate your minimum investment of, of 50 grand. Well, if you start saying, Hey, I'd like to fly out and visit, visit the team. I'd like to do a site visit. Uh, can you take, you know, uh, the principals out out to lunch, and and I'd really like to dig into, <clears throat> let's say the the source documentation for your feasibility study. I mean, you can start to kind of see where they'd be like, hey man, we we don't have time for this. But when we come together as a fund, and and we're looking at investing, say a million, two million, three million dollars in a deal, uh, that conversation totally shifts, and it's and uh, now everything starts to open up because they they want to establish a relationship with someone who's going to write a big check. So that's the first benefit in terms of, of how we can command not only better terms, better profit splits, but also conduct better due diligence. Um, it's a win for the sponsor because they're good at finding and operating deals, right? They're, they're not necessarily in the business of, of raising capital. Raising capital is a, is a full-time job. Uh, it's a myth that if you have a great deal, that money will just magically show up. I mean, if you're going to raise $30 million for a project, that is, it's, it's no joke. Um, and so you have to have an infrastructure for that. You have to market why that, that deal is a good deal, uh, in order to get that, those dollars in the door. So if we can, as a fund invest, uh, multiple millions of dollars into, into deals that we have vetted, um, that frees the sponsor up to do what they do best, which is find and operate deals. Right. And then of course, for our investors, um, it's a win for them because they are, uh, essentially getting the same return profiles as they would be going to directly to sponsor anyway. Uh, what we strive to do is we take a, a larger cut of the, uh, percentage. So instead of say a 70, 30 split, we might get a 80, 20 split for, for writing such a big check. But we strive to sort of take that Delta and return our investors to their original, uh, economic profile as they would have gotten had they direct, uh, invested directly with the sponsor. So anyway, that's sort of high level, you know, why the fund model makes sense. And then in terms of what we do, um, we have two jobs. One is to vet the, the operations team. And if you ever heard the term, you want to bet on the jockey, not on the horse. Yep. Uh, that's really, that's the main thing. You know, we, the, the deal, is, is way, way second to the sponsorship team. Um, a good team can, can make the worst deal in the world come to life and, and operate like a sewing machine and a bad sponsorship team can do the exact opposite. Um, they can take the best deal and just make it a complete dud. So most of the, the work that we do goes into vetting the operations team, vetting the business plan, vetting the, uh, you know, the players involved, and then second to that, uh, we'll take a look at whatever deals that they're sort of bringing to market and we'll sh start shredding them apart. And when I say we, it's myself and my CFO, Jim Morales. Uh, anybody familiar with Grant Cardone? Uh, Jim Morales is Grant Cardone's CFO. And uh, I was able to, uh, to poach him over, uh, over to our side. He's, hmm. he's still working over there, but, um, but he's, he's doing work for us uh, in terms of financial due diligence and underwriting. So, 
So Jim takes the underwriting, stress tests it. Um, and what that basically means is tweaking numbers to, to sort of show worst case scenarios and make sure that there's sufficient downside risk protection in whatever we're, we're looking at. That is a lot of big words for my small brain. Uh, but I do understand <laughs> the basics. I understand the basics of it. And I'm sure there's a lot of folks out there who will be in the same category that I am. Um, maybe not mm -hmm. even quite to the level I'm at uh, of just understanding the basics of how real estate works. And then there's a lot of folks who are more involved and in-depthly read on all of this kind of information. One of the things that right. I, I wanted to dive into here is to kind of brass tacks and make it a little bit easier. So let's take myself, for example, mm -hmm. we were talking about working, uh, or be, I was a uh, soft commit in the last deal and the deal fell, uh, filled up mm -hmm. so fast. I couldn't get into it, which is awesome. I was super excited. That's right. Yeah. That, that makes you want to, it's the scarcity effect. It's like, no, next time me, me, me. Um, right, right. so, uh, with, with that being said, let's take, uh, what wouldn't be outrageous. Let's just take a, whatever standard deal, however you want to package it. Uh, Adam comes in with $50,000 yeah. and says, I want in, uh, I've scrapped, I've saved my mm -hmm. pennies or I'm converting a Roth IRA or I've got money that's sitting in the market that honestly, I just, I'm too exposed to the market. I want to shift out of it a little bit, which is something we could talk yeah. about even more later. Um, I, I want in on this model of real estate. Uh, what can I expect if I, I hand over, I write, uh, uh, turbine capital, big check, boom, boom, boom. And then you say, okay, this is what you can expect, Adam, uh, with what you just, uh, what you did. Thank you very much. And here we go. Off we go to the races. Uh, here's what you can expect. For sure. Yeah. So, so typically what we target, and again, you know, this is all just expect, right? Yeah. Nothing's guaranteed. Um, investing always entails risks. However, it's my opinion that, that this stuff is far less risky than the equities markets. Uh, you know, the stock market, um, you know, the stock market's schizophrenic. It's super highly valued. Uh, the bond market is yielding nothing. You know, commercial, commercial real estate is one of the last places to go for, for safe, consistent yield, right? So typically what we do, and, and we always look for conservatism in projections. We want to make sure that we can under-promise and over-deliver, or at least meet expectations, right? But what we, we typically look at, um, you know, would be something about a um, any, anywhere from the mid-teens to the low 20s annualized return. Um, if you're familiar with IRR, uh, somewhere around the 15 mark, 15% uh, IRR internal rate of return, um, which just takes into account the time value of money. Um, and then it varies deal to deal how much cash flow there is. That's another topic that that I'd love to jump into is just the topic of of cash flow. Uh, some deals are weighted more in terms of of back end appreciation. Other deals are very cash flow heavy. Um, you know, don't maybe not have such uh, an appreciation play, but just have a really nice nice uh, distribution. So most of our deals have uh, a monthly cash distribution uh, anywhere in the neighborhood from four to twelve percent um during the hold period and then uh, you get your money back at the end of most of the projection um the uh, hold projections are, are about five years uh so at the end of the projected five-year hold period you get your uh, return of capital and then a nice return on sale and again you know the day that we close on the property all the projections go right out the window mm -hmm. um which is why we we really put a lot of weight on track record and you know sponsors ability to execute and comparing okay what have they what have they promised and what have they delivered in the past sure um you know to to try and really nail down um you know how their future deals are going to go yeah um so we we put a lot of weight on that i i can attest to the projections out the window uh on my last mm -hmm. real estate deal we had all these grandiose ideas and all, we have we're we keep having to reconfigure what our future process is going to be with this property and there is an exit strategy uh there are multiple i have multiple exit strategies for what i'm invested in that way and one of them unfortunately has become what if we have to package this up and sell it as a loss um where we can't, where yeah. we're not going to be able to get out of this, uh, with, 
we're just going to have to run with her tail between her legs because do we yeah. want the, cause there's the sunk fallacy uh, uh, or the sunk cost fallacy that could plague this property. And I will keep putting good money after bad. And that is one thing. So right. when, when I look at a place like turban and I talk to a guy like you, I, the, that, those kind of things, all the emotions taken out of real estate. And for those who are not right. saying, well, I'll be completely unemotional, you will until you're not. And yep. you don't have any choice in the, in, in the, in the matter. When you invest 70, 80, $100,000, that might not be a lot of money for somebody. It may be everything to another person. Uh, no matter where you fall in that spectrum, if, you, if that is something that this is your biggest investment of your life, it's going to hurt. And that's going to cause an emotional reaction. You're not going to have, you don't have these issues with investment and fund syndication, stuff like that. There's just none of that. It's, 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 you can see what's yep. happening, but you, you have to, it, it's, it's like being in a mutual fund. You can see what's happening, but you're not going to get emotional about what's happening in the mutual fund unless it starts to lose a ton of money. Uh, I do have something to say for all of those out there. I, I was not a total believer in real estate. Now I am. Uh, it doesn't, that doesn't happen very often. Uh, it, it has, uh, but you have to look at the places that let's take a look at, for instance, Manhattan, right? Manhattan. Oh my gosh. COVID hit. Everybody's moving away from the city. The market's going to crash there. Nobody's going to live in Manhattan anymore. Yes. A lot of people have moved out. Well, lo and behold, property values are still on the rise in that city and they have a crime wave going on and all this other nonsense, which by the way, that's still just crazy talk. Like you're not going to go to Times Square and get shot. It's just probably not going to happen. It might, but it probably won't. <laughs> so with all that said, like there's still all this craziness and is there a housing bubble? Is there not? It doesn't really matter when you're talking about what Tate and the guys at Turban and then his sponsors are doing. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's a different it really doesn't. ball game. No. So, man, there's like five different things I want to touch on there. So, so first off, uh, I am proud to say that that we are on every deal that we've done since inception, we're exceeding projections by about two x. Um, number two, that you know everyone who every, every, I, I get a lot of questions where people go, man, this housing market's crazy. When's it going to crash? Oh, I'm going to wait till the crash. I'm going to wait till the crash. It ain't coming. Sorry to tell you, but um, when you when you look at the underlying fundamentals in the economy, what happened to 2008, everybody remembers 2008, and they associate a recession with housing market crash. Well, if you go back all the way to 1900, recessions have not been associated with losses in real estate value. Real estate values have plateaued, maybe come down a little bit, and it depends on what market you're on and what you're investing in, right? But but um, 2008 was the only time when we saw like a complete meltdown. Couple things there. Number one, it was a first a, a mortgage crisis followed by a liquidity crisis. Remember that. So the banks weren't lending and there were really shoddy lending practices with a lot of bad debt. Second, we were way oversupplied on housing. Um, we way overbuilt in in the mid 2000, uh, you know, 2000. Um, this time around, we have the exact opposite of those problems. Number one, we are awash in liquidity. We, we, we printed, what, $4 trillion in the last uh, two years? Yep. Uh, the world is just completely awash in liquidity. So that is the, the complete fundamental opposite of what, what happened in 2008. And number two, we are severely underhoused. We're about 5 million housing units short in the U.S., um, was talking to Jonathan Chang, who's the head of research at Marcus and Millichap. They're the largest uh, real estate analyst um, and brokerage firm, commercial real estate brokerage firm in the U.S. Uh, he has 26 analysts that work for him. And he was recently meeting with the uh, National Association of, of Home Builders. He told him, turn on the taps. He goes, you, you've got another seven years of just wide open runway to, to go. Uh, he goes, I don't think they're going to listen to me because the labor market's so short and material costs are so high. But he goes, if, if the home builders went full bore for the next seven years, 
that would only just come close to meeting the, the housing demand that we have in the country right now. So if you're waiting for the crash to invest in real estate, I'm sorry, but, but it's not coming. Now, in certain markets, you know, if we're talking about residential, um, are they going to cool down a little bit? Yeah, with interest rates rising and, and you know, the affordability, um, you know, starting to, to come down. Um, yeah, we'll probably see some, some residential markets cool, but we don't rely on natural market appreciation. In fact, we don't, we don't underwrite for it. So if we have natural market appreciation, that's great. But in our deals, what we use is forced appreciation. That's one of the beauties of, of commercial real estate is that you can literally force a property to be worth more by increasing the, the net operating income. Uh, unlike re residential real estate that's, that's valued by comps, commercial real estate is valued uh, by its cap rate multiplied by the net operating income. Yep. So income minus expenses multiplied through the cap rate equals value. And that's real, actual, like tangible value. So if you increase rents by $25 a month on a single unit in a commercial multifamily apartment complex, one single unit, that's 300 bucks a year by a uh, 5% uh, cap rate, that'd uh, be times uh, what, 20? So you're talking about a six, is that, that my math right off the top of my head? $6,000 in value increase of, of that, mm -hmm. that property. Yeah. Um, 300 bucks a year, right? So you multiply that out, out over 100 units and you're doing renovations, you're, you're improving you know, the, the curb appeal, you're putting professional property management in there. Uh, you can force appreciation even if the market is is naturally depreciated. Yeah. Even if you you have a real estate market that is that is decreasing in value, you can still force appreciation by by improving the the, um, the financial metrics of the property. So that's that's sort of what we look at, and and when we we study the the underwriting models on these things, what we're looking for is you know hey if we we beat it up, we say okay. You know, cap rates are going to expand, which means values are going to come down. Um, we're going to have higher vacancy than we think. Uh, we're going to have higher expenses than we think. Uh, there's going to be more concessions, lost to lease. Um, and if the deal still looks good, then then that's something we'll move forward on. So, yeah. Anyway, no, that's I, I wanted to jump in there. And, and this is going back to that. And this is really I, I'm, I'm keying on some of the stuff for people who already are invested in real estate or, or, or maybe who own their own home or have dabbled in renting out something in the past. Uh, and mm -hmm. I'll go back to this place that I own, uh, this property that I talked about that there is an exit strategy where, of where it might, we might have to go at a loss. Well, when I bought the property, uh, there were, it, we had to comp it out. So it was, there was four units in two different buildings and it was comped out, uh, to a certain number, which we couldn't even get to the asking price. It was off market deal. So we had to do some creative financing and, and deal making to get, make that work with the seller. But here's the, here's the thing that, and, and this is to give you an idea of what Tate's talking about on the commercial side. Had we been able to finance at what the income generation uh, value of the property was, it would have appraised out mm -hmm. at almost a hundred thousand dollars more than what the asking price on the house, not what it appraised at, not what we actually, right. the deal we made on, which it was over 100,000, or it was 100. It was almost 100,000 over asking. And the asking price, we ended up paying like right. 16 or 20 grand less than that um, because of the appraisal. And even the appraiser said, I can't, I can't help you here because it's not right. a commercial property. There's no, there's nothing I can do for you. Four units yep. or fewer. Yep. So you're, you're just, you have to, you have to look at comps. And by the way, there's no real comps for a place like this, no matter right. what. Um, so what, now, what I, what I'm pushing towards folks is think when you, when you look at, when you think of speculation and buy on appreciation, cause I, I could, I can hear people, I can hear guys like me saying, oh, appreciation. I'd never just buy on that because that's speculative. Well, it is speculative in right. the industry or in the side of the real estate world that I'm in, where you go, okay, I'm buying this property, right. hoping that it's going to go up in value by 40% by the time I want to sell it. That's speculation. Right. Right. That's praying. That doesn't work very well. That's right. hoping. 
this is yeah. a totally different thing. And I love talking about that because I didn't even, you know, I didn't understand how forced appreciation really worked. And you laid it out very, very succinctly. Right on. Well, and, and for anybody thinking, okay, well, that, that seems like a great idea. I'm going to go buy a five unit. Um, be careful. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the, the small commercial properties are, are, uh, can present uh, uh, some difficulty and that's because commercial lending is a completely different ball game. Um, unlike residential where when you get over a certain amount, you're into jumbo territory and, and you're paying higher interest rate commercial real estate, the larger the loan, the easier it is to get. If you're looking at a loan amount for a commercial, uh, real estate, which is anything that's, uh, including multifamily, as long as it's five or more units on a tax parcel, um, if you're looking at a loan amount that's less than a million dollars, almost no one will touch it. Um, you, you're going to have to go to a small community, local bank. You're going to have to have a driver's license in that state. Cause they're not going to want to lend to somebody who's out of state with, with some of these local banks. Um, if you're over a million dollar loan amount, anything from one to 5 million, uh, is considered small balance. And then anything over 5 million is much, much easier to work with. So, yeah, you get a lot of economies of scale once you get up above the the fifty to hundred unit range. Um, there are some very successful players in in the smaller market, but be very careful if you're if you're a newbie and you're like, oh, cool, I'm gonna I'm gonna go force appreciation on on a little five unit that's uh, you know seven hundred grand. Make sure you do your your research on the on the lending first. Yeah, I could not agree more. In fact, I I being in the I, I've looked. I think we had a. Uh, possibility for an eight unit that we looked at and it was mm -hmm. i thought it was overvalued at the time and i we looked at it and it said every every one of the units needs to be renovated not re rehabbed a little bit they weren't that bad but they definitely right. needed to be updated and every single lease and rent was well under market and going okay so now we got to deal with eight new leases which means let's just say 50 percent right. want to stay under the new much higher rents. We have to rehab some of these units. If we're if we lose four families, we're gonna have to rehab four of these units. And now mm -hmm. we're talking more capital up front because by the way, you still have to have the capital up front to secure the loan. Like you can't just go, well, okay, I'm gonna right. go get a fifty right. unit or or whatever. I'm gonna get a thirty two unit for you know, $2 million and, and I'll be able to get a, a loan that way. Well, you still have to have capital. I don't know what it's going to be. Right. But in, unless you, and then, and then all, by the way, when you go to that size, no longer is it, I own a duplex and I run over there and fix the, the broken fan or I have a plumber drop by. It's a whole business in and right. of itself. And I'm not saying that that's, if that's what exactly. you want to do, yep. more power to you. I give it, you all more the power to you. Yeah. Yep. A hundred percent. I give you all the credit in the world. And I've met other, other airline pilots that want to do that. And I, I can tell them, Hey, we, we'd be happy to be a, you know, a slice of your allocation. But if, if you have the time, the knowledge, the resources and the ambition to go and, and pull off a 32 unit deal by yourself, more power to you. go that you're, you, you are going to probably, you're going to take on a lot more risk. Um, and you're going to have a much higher chance of losing money, but your, your, your potential for, for, uh, insane gains is much higher doing it yourself. Yeah. What we are here in order to provide direct real estate exposure, uh, to, to great deals for people who are, you know, 90% of us that don't necessarily want to spend their weekends, um, analyzing properties and call, cold calling owners and meeting with brokers and, and, uh, contractors and lenders and insur insurers. Uh, and uh, quite frankly, it's a, it's a, it's a model that I landed on because I was like, this is, this is the best of both worlds. I was making, I was making as much or close, uh, cash flow and, and return profile on my passive deals as I was on my active. And it was a heck of a lot less work. Yeah. You, you know, so it's something and else. less risk. Yeah. It's, and there's something else you said in there that I wanted to touch on. So, uh, and this is for mm -hmm. folks out there is just getting the investing game. So you talked about, um, how this is a lot different than 2008. It's funny. I've been watching I, and I should just watch the movie straight through, even though with two little kids it's possible, I watched 
several <laughs> clips of the big short and i realized i watched like 45 minutes of the movie, that movie through clips you know and i'm like on youtube yeah. and they're all scattered yeah so one of the things and and it, it we talked about it the there's not enough home starts there's the demand is still high demand even if it shrinks it even there's still what what's the word i'm looking for here there's a a faux demand out there because there's just not enough houses mm -hmm. supply is so so low that it doesn't really matter how many people want to move that there'll be an there there's just not enough houses for people who have to move so that's one thing right yes the interest rates are going up but it's not going to affect people who have to move it just won't affect that they still will have to buy a house they will still right. have to get financing most people are not mm -hmm. going to have cash to pay for a five hundred thousand dollar home it just doesn't exist that much with that said and this is where i think another thing in getting in the small rental world uh you can do and, and i've done i did this in the duplex it was easy to we rehabbed for a very low cost okay so we did a lot of work mm -hmm. ourselves and i wanted to the first property i wanted to do i didn't do all of it by myself my my property manager slash everything he he did the lion's share of the work i did some of it with him we worked together on a lot of stuff uh we went way over time budget we went on budget monetarily but when you mm -hmm. when i look back on it that was in 2020 in in the summer of 2020 covid was scaring the bejesus out of everybody if i did the same thing now i don't know if i could stay on budget number one i know yeah. for a fact that the onesie twosie um the contractors that we did have work with us i couldn't get them in the, i couldn't get them through the door for what we paid them then right uh, and I, and I'll, yeah. I'll go, I'll go one step further. Um, I'm putting a deck on my house this year and I'm, we're going to rip right. it off. But I'm, I'm having somebody else come and do it. And the number is astronomical. It's, it's, I, I right. budgeted for it in my head, but I couldn't believe how high it was. And this is, this is sort of the, if you can't beat them, join them thing. I mean, you look at, um, you know, the, the self-storage operator who we, uh, have partnered with for the last two years who are just fantastic. They're just juggernauts in the space. Um, I mean, they've got over a hundred employees. They're, they're vertically integrated uh, property management, vertically in integrated construction management. Their uh, head of their construction department came from Casey Industrial. He did the Eisenhower Tunnel ventilation project okay. on uh, I-70. Goes from Denver to Vail. I mean, very, very sophisticated um, people, right? Um, they lock in. They, they're able to control costs uh, because they'll they'll buy steel in bulk, uh, get it to the job site early um, so that they know that they can lock in their, their costs. Um, this latest deal, the, the Phoenix deal, uh, which we might have another one coming down the pipeline. Um, this is an operator who has over 25 assets in the Phoenix Metro. They've completed their business plan on, on they've gone full cycle on seven um it's i mean they're just a, a well-oiled machine they order uh they do the same renovation on all of their apartment complexes they order all their stuff in bulk from china they have a warehouse uh so they they're able to control their supply chain and their costs very effectively whereas like you know retail investors just don't have the economy of scale or the yes. sophistication level yes. to do that amen um and then the other thing we were we were talking about was um you know people getting priced out mm -hmm. uh, there's one of the one of the problems um which can be a benefit to us investors is that people are getting priced out especially with interest rates rising now um you know the the asset values are are not going to be coming down anytime soon because there's so much money in the financial system and with interest rates rising you know people are people are priced out the median home price in the in the neighborhoods that that we just bought this uh, 440 units in phoenix in um, the median home price is 430,000. Um, you know, the mortgage on that is, you know, a couple grand a month versus, uh, you know, the apartment complex or the, the apartment units that, that we're, um, renovating even after the renovation are going to be about a thousand bucks a month. Um, so it's workforce. It's, it's people that just aren't going to be able to, to afford a, a home in that market. And so more and more people are being pushed into the rental market by, 
by choice and and not by choice both yeah, you know, for sure. there, there are people who who are choosing to rent longer as well so well, i yeah. well, just listening i was listening to a uh, podcast about um why texas is so popular in certain areas but mm-hmm. it's not the areas that you'd expect like uh yeah, all oh, Austin this, not uh, Houston that. Well, the, that that's actually not the case. It's these suburbs that were suburbs mm-hmm. of twenty thousand people twenty years ago, and now these right. these some of these suburbs are growing to be two hundred and fifty thousand. I mean, these are these are cities like they're full on cities. Yeah, and there is no yeah. need anymore to go from like Frisco to Dallas because the only reason you mm-hmm. go down to Dallas is go to a game. You go to a Mavericks game, right? But they have everything exactly. in in these other locations. So, well, uh, I think these are some of the crazy things that I mean. This is the this is a conversation that quite literally could go on forever because I find this. Yeah, so, we, yeah. we I know we could yeah. take this. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you go a million different. Reconvene on this. Yeah, a million different directions. But before we do that, let's. Yeah. Um, so you're you're uh, you're coming all the way from, and if. You, we're not i don't think we're going to post the video on this um we don't really do that that very much uh but if you could see what i see tate is uh i'm looking over tate's shoulder and i see beautiful uh hawaii honolulu um got the mountains on one side the buildings on the other and i know where the ocean is it's it's just off his left shoulder or just in front the it's behind me um that's right so uh he's gonna be coming all the way from honolulu to tpnx uh, which, for those of you who don't know yet, uh, it's on the weekend of the 23rd and 24th in Orlando at the uh, actually Terminal C, which is the non yet opened international uh, side of Orlando. It's going to be the new the new international terminal, from my understanding. And we have a little portion of it, and we've got all sorts of major airlines: Delta, FedEx, United. I wish United, but not they're not coming. Sorry, uh, yeah. American. Uh, Spirit's going to be there. They just announced SkyWest will be there for you, low timer guys, or, or or people who need to get back in the cockpit for a little bit to go. Um, uh, we've got the possibility of a couple of charter operators coming, uh, or or fractional uh, type airlines. Um, I, I'm, oh, Southwest is going to be there too. I almost forgot them. Uh, maybe we can use Tate's connections in uh, for next year and get Hawaiian to uh, swing by. Yeah, um, be, be on the other side of the globe, but uh, they. Who, I mean, that's uh, right. They, who knows well, where we this? We have a direct flight to Orlando now. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, makes it easy. Who knows where this market's going to go? In fact, uh, I want to shout out, and hopefully they want to attend one day to JetBlue. Uh, JetBlue now goes uh, direct from Boston and JFK to Milwaukee. Um, we have not. Ev- nice. We have never, in my memory, uh, had a JFK, a direct Milwaukee JFK, uh, which I can use to get out to New York specifically for trips that depart out of JFK instead of use my airline, which is fantastic. No more LaGuardia bag drag over. Super cool. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Tate's going to come all the way from um, uh, Honolulu to Orlando. We're going to have a good time. Going to grab a cocktail or two uh, on our off time. We're going to talk a hell of a lot of real estate. He's going to be able to talk to a lot of you who are going to attend. Uh, but if you can't make it, because my guess is we're probably, we're, we're not sold out yet, but we're getting there fast. Uh, and obviously, um, there'll probably be some more time on Sunday than there will be on Saturday, uh, because there's a little bit higher number of folks coming on Saturday to get one-on-one time to talk to Tate. And, uh, and I'm springing this on him right now. It's gonna be a little bit of a surprise, but we're going to give him some presentation yeah. time if he wants it, uh, in the social Fantastic. hour. I yep. love it. Yep. The social hour, you, we, people have beer in their hand and, uh, and Tate can give us a little bit of, uh, how a uh, turban works and what, what's in it for everybody because as if you don't know this about tpn uh we're real big on a rising tide raises all boats and i i took that from a uh a previous uh boss and mentor and i believe in it i also believe heart of the teacher we took that from dave ramsey and that's the most important thing that we look like when when we look at when we're trying to work with companies and tate has the heart of the teacher if you can't tell just from this little tiny podcast he wants to teach you everything about how you can set yourself and your family up for continued financial success and well-being and the thing yeah. is is if you if you take an investment and put it in a turban not only does it help him but it helps you too and in fact i think in the very beginning of this conversation what you said uh we're, the investor is the one who gets the biggest amount of return 
for what they invest. And that is, it, you, I don't know anywhere mm -hmm. else that you can do that. Because when I invested in my GameStop uh, stock um, <laughs> and it skyrocketed then plummeted, the only thing that I get really out of that is fun. <laughs> it's a good time. Right. But the worry and all the other stuff that comes with that and investing in individual equities against, again, nothing. If that's your game and you're good at it and you want to do that, that's awesome. But if you want to be exposed to real estate and you're looking for another option, I want you to give Tate a lot of attention and time because I knew when I found him that I was like, all right, what is this? I kind of want I because I pilots call up bs all the time right and it's like oh yeah, some pilots yeah. started a real never take investing advice from a pilot yeah exactly right that's exactly and when i heard about it from my friend at the gym again who's not a pilot i said all right i'm gonna look at this guy and see what's what's up and then i sent him a message on instagram i didn't hear anything for a while i'm like okay typical you know and then <laughs> we chatted and i go wow this it's not it's not only it's it was the it was the exact opposite of what i what I expected. I have talked to other pilots mm -hmm. who are trying to form real estate uh, investment groups or who, who had, and I had not, I, uh, all, all of the tingly hair on the back of the neck, all the bad things came right out and, uh, oh, I, totally thanks. opposite with you, man. Thanks, um, yeah. And I'm not trying to kiss your ass. Uh, <laughs> you already know you got my money, so it's not a big <laughs> deal. Um, but like oh, thanks, one, one of the things that I wanted to, uh, the kind of in closing here, um, to prepare if they if they're interested and we'll get to all the how to get a hold of you and, and find turbine and all sure. that good stuff but if they're this is for the for the 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 zero level the i haven't even started research yeah. but i've been thinking about it where, yeah. where do you suggest they go to kind of get their feet wet so when they come down to tpnx or they do come and chat with you that they can either ask a question or just say this is my knowledge base i i want to i want to get into this space where do they start? Where, where do you think it's a good place for them to start? Maybe uh, books, some digital media, a couple different things so people can really get out there and, and take the bull by the horns. Yeah, absolutely. So, so um, obviously, if you haven't read the, the, that purple book by Robert Kiyosaki, uh, I always say to start there, right? Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yep. Uh, you, know, you mentioned Bigger Pockets. I think every, like 50% of every person that was on that podcast who, who was like, what's your favorite business book? Rich Dad Poor Dad. I mean, it just, it sets the tone for the right way of thinking about money. That's number one. Um, so for, for when you're trying to get a little bit more niche down and specific in terms of real estate, it kind of depends on what you want to do. If you want to learn more about, about syndication, um, obviously pop over to our website. If you, if you sign up on our, on our website for our mailing list, um, you'll get some, some great, um, um, information, just sort of like drip fed. Uh, I'm working on an ebook right now that kind of dives into, to, um, more of it just in a, in a holistic and, and well laid out way. Um, there's a great book called, uh, the, the hands-off investor by Brian Burke from Praxis Capital. Uh, that's a bigger pockets publication. I think that's a, another great one. Um, and if you're looking to sort of do it yourself, um, I think one of the best books out there really is, uh, long distance real estate investing by David Green. Um, that can kind of, uh, that's the uh, perfect book for airline pilots because a lot of us live in expensive markets that doesn't necessarily make sense to, to buy uh, rental property. And so it's a, it's a great book to, to kind of wrap your head around. Okay. How do I go find a great market, build a team there and start buying small, small yeah. deals there. But yeah. But the last thing I wanted to, to kind of jump in before, yeah. before we wrap up is just, you know, I, I really want to leave people with, with this is that I implore you to, to think more and think deeper about your financial future, right? This job is wonderful, wonderful. And we, we, we have really generous 401k packages um, I think a lot of people tend to sort of get lazy because it's like, well, you know, there's a pot of gold at the rain, end of the rainbow and I'll just, you know, I'll get that when I retire. You can build your now bucket too. You don't have to just invest for the future. You can invest for now. I mean, across all of my personal syndication deals, I'm cash flowing, you know, in the neighborhood of about 10%. I only need about, I don't know, 1.2 million cash on temperature 
in order to be completely financially free. That's 10 grand a month in passive income that, that'll come in whether I work or not. You were talking about, you know, first upgrade as well in terms of money. You know, if, if, you, can, if you can put, you know, 1.2 million on temperature and, and have, you know, 10 grand a month that just comes in free and clear and you want to hang out in the right seat because you don't need the money, how great is that, right? And, and it's not going to take investing a hundred grand a year every year for 12 years to get that money on temperature either, because not, not only is that first deal going to start to cash flow, mm -hmm. uh, and then your second deal is going to start to cash flow, but then, you know, they start going full cycle anywhere from about three to five years. Um, you know, you're getting that, that return of principal and, and return on principal, right? So year three, you might end up going full cycle on a deal, getting, you know, 200k back in your pocket and now you're investing 300k you know so it snowballs really fast and I, I don't think that people wrap their heads around and this isn't you know a freaking life insurance schedule this is this is this is real i mean this is yeah. this is real verifiable and and um and people are doing it uh there's there's lots of people that you'll you'll meet at these real estate investment conferences if if you go to them that uh that have left their corporate jobs and and all they do is is invest passively and yeah, you know, they've got a hundred percent of their time to dedicate to whatever they want. So, uh, it doesn't take all that much time. We make a ton of money. It's not that hard. Um, so, so put some, some time and effort into sort of learning, learning about it. Um, it, it's an awesome space. Wise, wise words from a TPNX attendee, a now partner of, of the pilot network and more importantly went from what was an acquaintance to a dear friend and no time flat of the whole Thanks, myself Adam. and then everybody else out there no thank you tate because i love when somebody teaches me something every time i've talked to you even in emails i learned something new from this guy and <laughs> if you can't do anything else just pop over to turban capital uh and i think it's turbancap.com uh, if i remember correctly turbancap.com yep Pop over Correct. there, take a look, and for if for no other reason than you're you're morbidly curious about not having to work until you're 65, uh, fly hard yep. fly 85 hours a month. There is another exactly. way to do it, and if you right. want to hard fly 85 hours a month, that's cool. And if you want to hard fly 85 hours a month, but have a place in Park City, and in south beach right. and then in manhattan <laughs> and you also want to have a place up in alaska and send all three of your kids to med school uh that's right head over to turban camp and it's and it's and it's not get rich quick you know i mean that, this is, yes but it's it's a hell of a lot better than the stock market yeah I'll tell you that yeah I, you know unless you know i mean certain days you're lucky certain days you're not yeah right? I, I can it's just you know i can attest yeah. to that too and, and for all of you uh crypto guys out there too uh crypto is cool um, I did, uh, try to get rich quick off of Shiba. Um, I made a little bit of money and now, you know, whatever, it's not there anymore. But with all that said, right. um, Tate, how else can people get a hold of you if they want to, uh, what's the easiest and best ways to get a hold of you? For sure. You can just reach out to me directly. My direct email is Tate, T-A-I-T at turbinecap.com. Um, you go through the website. If you want to join our mailing list, be my guest. Um, we're going to have a booth at TPNX. So if you want to wait until, uh, until it's in person, please feel free to, uh, to swing by. Um, and you can also just, uh, reach out via text. My cell number is 808-936-7120. Wow. Look at that. I mean, that's the kind of personalized service you're getting from my, uh, by the way, he's a CEO. I mean, a CEO, man, come on. Like you can, what other C-suite guys throwing his number out there? So, and uh, of course, if you want to get a hold of Matt or I, you can hit us up at heyguys at thepilotnetwork.com. If you have questions about TPNX, please send them our way. We're getting a lot of questions. There's a FAQ list in the Facebook group, I believe. Uh, we'll probably put it out via the, uh, the Facebook uh, page as well. Uh, but if you do have any specific questions, uh, we're, we're trying to get them answered as fast as we can. And we're, we're rapidly approaching uh, the the no turn back day of getting certain stuff out to you. We know that a lot of people are very curious of when they're going to be able to schedule their appointments. All that stuff's coming, but you have to remember that there are a lot of moving parts and we are not doing this on a Google spreadsheet. There is <laughs> Matt has got a beautiful app that's going to show you how to do all this stuff 
And when you see it, you're going to absolutely love it. I love it. I've, I've got to play around with it. And I think you're going to love the whole atmosphere of not only TPNX, but talking to a guy like Tate, working with Turban Cap. We don't bring companies to you because they pay us money. In fact, we've had to turn several of them down. Mm-hmm. We bring people to you who can benefit your life and only benefit uh, you as a network. They, we, we would, it's, it's, it's in my best interest to do that to you, and it's in my best interest for myself. So I want to, again, thank Tate for uh, joining us on just another sweet little edition of the Pilot Network podcast and uh, also for coming to TPNX. I'll see you in uh, less than a month. Uh, not, see you there. Not over Not over. It's just this. a few weeks away now. Yeah, just a few weeks, man. Not over this nonsense. Don't say yep. that. Otherwise, you get me all stressed out, man. I'm going to start, start working until <laughs> one in the morning again. Um, so, but for everybody you, else out there, you guys are, let's go ahead, man. Go. No, I was just going to say what you guys are doing at TPN is just amazing. So um, I, I'm very impressed as well with, with what you guys have built and what you're bringing to the pilot community. So um, I'm just stoked to be a part of it. Thanks, Thank dude. You. We're trying our best. We try our best all the time and we'll keep doing that. We hope that this uh, is a springboard for future stuff that we've got going on. Uh, a lot of cool stuff will be at TPNX stuff we're not going to share with you until you get down there. A lot of surprises. Uh, so to get down there, remember... Keep the shiny side up, greasy side down. Fly safe, everybody. Yes, yes, yes!